It is time for midday here on KRVN. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Wednesday. Another very nice-looking day out there today, and we will certainly take that. Jason Jorgensen is in here along with Bob Rogan and Susan Littlefield as we get you ready for our midday program as we take a look at the issues that are going on around us and make us successful, make you successful. Hopefully, well, it started out with Susan Littlefield. And Susan, good morning to you. Did you get any rain today? I was just going to say, are you ta- is it sunny there? It is completely sunny. I don't, I don't see it, but I'm looking at the map right now, and uh, it doesn't look <laughs> like it is in surprise. No, we're getting that stuff falling out of the sky that isn't snow, so we'll take rain. But it's like a whopping 57 degrees, but it feels like 45. Oh, we God. actually had that frost stuff this morning. Really? Okay. Yeah, just well, a little bit. Not a lot, but yeah. There's a chance Welcome for more spring. of it tonight, but um, uh, for now, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly take it. What do you got for us today? Well, you know, we all scream for ice cream, and tomorrow, <laughs> if you are near a Culver's, we're going to talk more about it at 1219. It's their seventh annual Scoop for Thanks, and it's a pretty cool thing that they do because they're giving money back to FFA chapters all across the nation where their Culver's stores are at. So find out what they're doing to thank farmers and thanking those in FFA. Then Alex will step in here at 1245 as we continue with our cruising with renewable fuels. Today we're going to learn about a new study with the National Biodiesel Board that shows the health benefits of biodiesel. And then I'll wrap up everything at 117 with Governor Pete Ricketts as we get his thoughts on 30 by 30. It's kind of an interesting conversation. So that's us from the midday. All right. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate it. You have a good day. Thank you. You too. Well, let's turn it over to Jason. Jason, we haven't really got a chance to talk about it, but I want to I want to get uh, what you feel is the reason that the Kansas City Royals have the best record in all of baseball. But they are fading. They are Uh-oh. now on their first three-game losing streak of the Uh-oh. year. Uh-oh. For a second straight night against Cleveland, the bullpen blew a gasket. So, I don't know. And today, or tonight, they face Shane Bieber. Ouch. <laughs> so That's not a good way to get better. It might be four losses in a row for the Royals. Who still share the lead in the AL Central with the White Sox, but they've they've eased a little bit. Are they playing above their pay grade a little bit right now, or is it just mm, no? They did not fielded the ball very well. Oh. They had another big error again last night, and you get people free outs, and you're, you uh, are asking for trouble. But maybe, maybe. Hey, if Clayton Kershaw can be knocked around, so can Shane Bieber. That's right. Although Bieber has just been striking people out like crazy this year. He's so good. We'll see. Uh, We'll touch on that. Also, we'll talk about a Kozad Traxter. She remains undefeated this year in the 100-meter dash, and she won again yesterday at the big meet in uh, Sutherland. So we'll hear from Brittany Aiken about her uh, big year. And what she did, this impresses me, what she did to stay sharp during COVID. She she did not let up at all. She kept training. And that's that's hard in the yeah. 100 to keep in shape for that. So mm-hmm. good for her. Good for her. All right. We'll look forward to that. Thanks, Jason. Let's turn it over to Bob. Stocks back up today. They are rising, boosted by a rebound in technology companies and some uh, pretty good earnings reports that are, are coming out. Um, also, bond yields have uh, kind of contracted after um, payroll process or ADP reported jobs growth below expectations. And General Motors' first quarter net income surge. So we'll have some details on those stories and more. All right. Thank thank you so much. Midday continues with Clay Patton.
Time for us to check in on our ag weather here on 880KRVN and uh, find out how that weather is affecting agriculture for us and around the world. we got Paul Perkins in here and uh you know we got i had a little rain on me as i was driving in today it was kind of sporadic it's a little more organized in the east right now yeah those rain bands uh, got a little more solid and uh were pretty much uh, connected very well connected as opposed to the very spotty stuff that we did see in central areas earlier this morning right now some pretty good rain still from about central city in central nebraska and right near the grand island area on into northeast nebraska up to about albion and near the norfolk area in the northeast corner of nebraska that activity sliding off towards the east also a little bit of light rain still a fairly solid band of rain from about southeast of york to hebron and also towards the concordia area all that rain moving to the east you will We'll see some quickly clearing skies in behind this uh, rain moving through, but we could see a little more thunderstorm activity pop up today. And you talked about uh, the, because of the heating that was going to take place, that might spawn some of those storms. Exactly. Yeah, the atmosphere not quite as stable yet, so a little more puffiness is starting to show up with some clouds in western areas, a little bit of puffiness in the clouds just in the north of Broken Bow, but mainly towards the Nebraska Panhandle, we are starting to see those clouds puff up. A few more disturbances will be sliding southeast for uh, maybe some pop-up thunderstorms, but all in all, some very nice weather in behind this cold front that moved through. It felt like spring yesterday. (laughs) And it does right now if you walk outside. A lot of us with temperatures into the low half of the 60s, those temperatures where the cloud cover is in eastern Nebraska and eastern Kansas, mainly in the mid to upper 50s, a lot of the clouds uh, mainly along and east of Highway 281 that stretches from about the Grand Island and Hastings area on into north-central Kansas. But a lot of sunshine building into the region. Once again, scattered rain and thunderstorms remaining a possibility for today with additional disturbances sliding to the southeast. With some heating this afternoon, a few of those storms could be strong with some gusty winds, but not expecting anything in the way of severe weather. Any rain amounts today through tonight will continue to be on the light side. High pressure builds in for sunshine and some dry weather for tomorrow through Friday. Temperatures near seasonal for today through Saturday. The weekend, though, will turn more active as low pressure moves into the Rockies. Multiple disturbances leading to some off-and-on rain chances and thunderstorm chances over the weekend. Not going to be a complete washout for your graduation day activities and, of course, Mother's Day activities on Sunday. Rain is likely, though, for early next week as that area of low pressure starts to move from the Rockies onto the plains. Temperatures will drop to around 15 degrees cooler than normal for Mother's Day into Tuesday, so it will definitely feel on the cool side. Total rain amounts this weekend through early next week likely to total a half inch to one inch. In our long-term forecast, cooler than normal temperatures very likely for Nebraska and Kansas the early half of next week. The forecast models though are in pretty good agreement for a solid warming trend by the end of next week. Mostly seasonal temperatures are predicted late next week through May 18th in Nebraska and Kansas. Nebraska and Kansas will see near normal to slightly above normal rainfall Monday through May 18th. So temperatures four inches down at seven this morning continue to be on the cooler side region-wide. Nebraska and Kansas right now with soil temperatures in the mid-40s to around 50. Key weather factors influencing the markets include continued drought in Brazil and more cool weather for the central U.S. Mostly quiet weather will prevail in the U.S. for the next few days. This weekend and early next week, back-to-back storms will follow a similar path across the plains, while chilly air will continue to overspread the Midwest. Widespread frost and scattered freezes may affect the northern plains and upper Midwest over the next several days. In the Midwest and southern plains, the increased moisture is favoring emerging crops. 
Northwest portions of the uh, Midwest could use a bit more moisture, though. Ahead of the rainfall, producers very active with planning and progress is well ahead of the normal pace. In the Northern Plains, drought continues. Topsoil moisture rated 83% very short to short in North Dakota, along with 67% very short to short in South Dakota, and 59% very short to short in Montana. There is a better chance for more moderate showers late Friday into Monday across the Northern Plains. In central Brazil, heat and dryness over the last couple of weeks are forcing the developing corn to deplete the subsoil moisture. Overall dryness continues for another week in central Brazil, stressing the developing to reproductive corn. All right. Well, we will uh, see. We could certainly still use... I mean, this this front stretched from about Fargo all the way down to Garden City. I mean, it was big. Yeah, and, and there was a, any, a, just some kind of activity uh, along that front as it moved through uh, central areas this morning, and mm -hmm. now it's moving into the east, and uh, that's where the cloud cover is, but a lot of sunshine in behind it. But we could see a little more thunderstorm activity pop up as the day goes on. All right. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather page, krvn.com. <laughs> Field work is in full swing, and we know you're in the tractor from sunup to way past sundown. KRVN, the River, and Cami are geared up for 2021 spring breaks. We'll be the ones driving up in a vehicle from Pony Express, Chevrolet, and Buick, Gothenburg, and Pony Express, Ford, Minden, bringing you a hot meal from Skeeter Barnes, the best Nebraska corn-fed beef, and slow-smoked barbecue in Kearney. It's back. The 7th Annual Culver's Scoops of Thanks Day takes place tomorrow at Culver's all across the nation. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Allison Wedig is a former state FFA officer in Wisconsin and a spokesperson for Culver's. She and I talked about the excitement of this 7th Annual event. Scoops of Thanks Day is Culver's annual Thank You Farmers project. It is our 7th Annual one. And on May 6th, Guests can really stop by any of Culver's restaurants, donate $1, receive a single scoop of fresh frozen custard, whether that be vanilla, chocolate, or this year, our special flavor of the day, Mooey Gooey Twist. And then all those proceeds will go to support local FSA and agricultural education. So every scoop counts and makes a difference. Both of us being involved in FFA knows how crucial this program is. But talk a little bit about the importance of Culver's supporting agricultural education. Culver's support of agricultural education is really critical. When I think about how important it is for Culver's to have a strong lens into where the food we serve our guests comes from, it means supporting the young leaders who will be responsible for continuing to feed our growing population. Culver's really started its support for agriculture since it began in 1984, but in 2013, we started our Thank You Farmers Project, which to date has helped us donate more than $3 million to support these future leaders in agriculture and ensure that FFA members have the resources and skill sets and support they need to continue to look for ways to ensure we have a sustainable food supply for the future. So how will the program work when it comes to benefiting those local leaders? If I purchase, you know, go to Culver's in Norfolk, Nebraska versus a Culver's in Madison, Wisconsin? Every local restaurant is actually working with their local FFA chapter. And if for some reason there isn't an FFA chapter, they're working with a local agricultural education organization, maybe 4-H 
etc. And when your dollars are donated on Scoops of Thanks Day or in another event to support the Thank You Farmers Project, the local owner-operator is actually the one that is going to be making that personal donation to the local FFA chapter. So this program really inspires our local owner-operators to find connections in their community and continue that support locally. But then the overall Thank You Farmers Project works to tell that story on an even bigger scale to ensure that maybe consumers who aren't familiar with agricultural education are more aware and can understand its importance in the broader food spectrum and really the future of ability to feed the population. So what excites you about Culver's Thank You Farmers program and their project? The Thank You Farmer project excites me because as a former FFA member, I am seeing these young leaders who are really excited by businesses and organizations that support their future. With over 300 careers in agriculture, it's really great that Culver's is able to support these local FFA members and show them the importance that they have. And as someone who just loves FFA and all things food and agriculture, this Scoops of Thanks Day is a perfect way to tie all of that together. So if you're looking for an excuse to have ice cream tomorrow and help out a local FFA, check it out. It's the 7th Annual Culver's Scoops of Thanks Day. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Twelve twenty-four here on KRVN. Time for us to take a look at our sports. Some of the sports going on around the area. Jason's in here, and a uh, uh, pretty good story about Brittany Aiken from from Cozet, who has really taken the, the track world by storm a little bit. So nice spring yesterday. The senior won the one hundred meter dash at the best of the Midwest meet in Sutherland with a time of twelve point seven seven seconds. She's undefeated in that event so far this spring. And while there was no season last spring, she says she kept working, hoping that eventually she'd get to compete. Well, after quarantine, uh, I would train every day on the track in the whole winter and I competed at um, the Cornhusker State Games in the summer in July and then um, you know I went into school season my senior year and all that winter I trained with my um, coaches here at COZAD and I went to um, Arnold and trained with a club track team called Quantum Athletics and those guys really helped me out and made sure all the rust was out and ready to go for the season. That's a lot of dedication for a kid. It really is. And if you're going to be a good track athlete, you have to be able to discipline yourself to do that that extra work. Yeah, my complete interview with Brittany can be found on the podcast page at krvn.com. On Saturday, the Concordia recruit was named the most outstanding female athlete at the Southwest Conference meet. Well, Cleveland ace Shane Bieber tries to keep up his string of strikeouts when he starts at Kansas City. The reigning AL Cy Young Award winner has fanned at least eight batters in a Major League record 18 straight starts. Kansas City is looking to snap its first three-game losing streak of the year. Their bullpen blew up again last night as Cleveland rallied to win for a second straight game. And Clayton Kershaw lasted just one inning in the shortest start of his stellar career, while Kyle Hendricks pitched a complete game for the Cubs in their 7-1 win. Exactly 11 years after he went just one and one-third innings against Milwaukee in what was his shortest start, 
Kershaw didn't last that long in this one. The three-time NL Cy Young Award winner gave up four runs on four hits. He faced nine batters in a 39-pitch inning. The Dodgers lost for the seventh time in nine games. A chink in the armor <laughs> Maybe of the great Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, my bet is he'll by the end of the year. They'll, they'll be fine. Yeah, they'll be all right. <laughs> Belmont Stakes will limit attendance to 11,000 spectators for the third leg of Horse Racing's Triple Crown Series. They say that required mandatory seating and social distancing will limit tickets to reserve seats and hospitality areas. The Preakness Stakes, which is coming up on the 15th, is limiting attendance to 10,000. Of course, at the Kentucky Derby, they opened the doors up last Saturday, and I think they have a little more room down there, too, and they had a little more than 51,000 show up. And all those mint juleps, it did clear. It's like vaccinations. Yeah, it? that's true. Uh, they had a really nice day yesterday for the Fort Carney Conference golf invite, which was held. Bertrand. Elm Creek won that with a 343. Loomis was second with a 355. Individually, Jackson Lobby of Loomis was a champ with a 76. Austin Adelong of Amherst had an 81. You can see the complete results. KRVN.com. All right. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. 76. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. That, I'll take that'd it. work. I'll take that. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. of COVID-19 were reported by Two Rivers Public Health Department in the seven-county region. It serves for Monday, May 3rd, and Tuesday, May 4th. Cases for Monday include Buffalo County 8, Franklin County 1, Kearney County 1, Phelps County 1. Cases for Tuesday include Buffalo County 8, Dawson County 2, Gosper County 1, and Kearney County 1. An airplane undergoing maintenance traveled down the runway at the Central City Airport without a pilot aboard Tuesday evening. The airplane gained an estimated elevation of 200 feet and traveled in the air for a distance of about a mile and a half before crashing into a nearby cornfield. The Emergency Communications Center notified the Merrick County Sheriff's Office of the crash at 7.33 p.m. Sheriff's Office deputies found the crashed plane in the area of 13th Road and M Road in rural Central City. No persons were on board the airplane during the incident. No injuries were reported. Both the FAA and the NTSB were contacted, and the scene was cleared by officials with both agencies. The person involved in attempting to gain access to Kearney High School on Monday has been located and is in custody after an incident at the Central Nebraska Regional Airport in Grand Island. Kearney Public Schools has resumed normal operations at Kearney High School. And on Monday, an individual identified as 19-year-old Tyler Cottle of Phillips, Nebraska, attempted to open the secure doors of Kearney High School and was contacted by school staff in accordance with Kearney Public Schools secure entry protocol. Cottle indicated he was there to visit a student. However, he had no legitimate reason to be on school property or listed an authorized contact for the student and was escorted from the school grounds. On Tuesday, Kearney police received information from Hamilton County Sheriff's Office that Cottle had taken a vehicle and rifle from the home and his location was unknown. Due to the incident at Kearney High School the previous day, Kearney police Kearney Public Schools and the school was placed in lockout as law enforcement attempted to locate Cottle. Information related to Cottle was shared with local law enforcement in an attempt to determine Cottle's whereabouts and well-being. Kearney police worked closely with KPS staff during the day and law enforcement partners with Buffalo County Sheriff's Office, Nebraska State Patrol, Hamilton County Sheriff's Office, and Grand Island Police Department. Kearney police has no charges related to this incident. 
State lawmakers have rejected an attempt to steer more money into Nebraska's small rural K-12 schools, many of which receive little aid from the state because they have few students and are surrounded by valuable farmland. Supporters of the bill argued, however, that it isn't fair for farmers to shoulder most of the costs of their local schools while districts in Omaha, Lincoln, and other cities get hundreds of millions of dollars in state assistance. Larger schools say they have more students and greater needs. Lawmakers voted 23 to 12 in favor of the bill, two votes shy of the majority needed to advance it. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellen Simmons. This is episode two of Cruising with Renewable Fuels. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. A new study is showing the health benefits of using soy biodiesel, and the Nebraska Soybean Board pitched in on this study. Donnell Rehagen is the CEO of the National Biodiesel Board, and he shares more. If you've been around our space, you'll know throughout the last couple of years, the National Biodiesel Board has touted the fact that our industry is better, cleaner, and now. So based on this foundational research, we know that our fuels are a better alternative and a cleaner choice with proven performance. We've known for decades that biodiesel reduces GHG emissions by over 80%. So we've always known biodiesel is a clean fuel offering environmental benefits. But this study will take those benefits to the next level and contributes to the mounting evidence showing how biodiesel can have a significant impact on an issue that's important to all Americans, and that's their health. This work shows that switching to biodiesel results in a multitude of health benefits. And the important thing about this study is that it quantifies those benefits at the neighborhood level. Benefits including lowering cancer risk, reducing premature deaths, decreasing asthma attacks, and reducing lost work days. So in other words, we're improving lives by improving health. And isn't the goal of reducing carbon aimed ultimately at improving human health? So this study illustrates just why biodiesel should take a bigger part of this conversation. And the best part, biodiesel is a drop-in solution available now, not years or decades into the future. Matt Herman is the director of environmental science with the National Biodiesel Board. He said that soybean oil was a large chunk of this study, but it's not the only type out there. Biodiesel is produced from a variety of raw material resources, including plant-based oils like soybean oil and waste fats and oils such as used cooking oil from restaurants or animal fats. One of the most cost-effective and readily available solutions to reduce emissions, biodiesel has continued to grow in popularity leading companies to work on commercialization of additional sources of vegetable oil to support its production. One of the more exciting feedstocks that we see under development are winter oilseed cover crops. These crops can be grown over winter, planted just after corn harvest, and harvested just before soybean planting, creating more sources of oil and protein meal on the same acre of land. And while that biodiesel can be derived from a variety of raw materials, the starting feedstock or raw material does not inhibit it from being used in the variety of different applications that diesel is consumed in today. Today, while biodiesel is primarily used on road in large diesel trucks and in home heating oil blends, we base this study on those two end uses uh, to highlight the benefits that we could have. However, outside of just over the road trucks and heating oil, there are still significant opportunities to displace petroleum in other marketplaces, such as farm equipment, 
construction equipment and other off-road uses, as well as uh, large petroleum use sectors like marine vessels uh, and other shipping applications. The National Biodiesel Board undertook this study with Trinity Consultants, which is an environmental research firm that conducts health risk assessments. Keeping the fuel type and uses in mind for biodiesel, Floyd Vergara, who is the Director of Governmental Affairs with the National Biodiesel Board, described why they did this study. So for this study, we asked, what are the benefits to a typical person if the nearby uh, transportation or heating oil uses of petroleum diesel were switched to 100% biodiesel, also known as B100. More importantly, what are those benefits to a typical person in a disadvantaged uh, environmental justice community? And then finally, how can we better communicate those results in a more digestible and relatable way to a diverse audience? And with the purpose identified, Vergara revealed the results of the study. For the 13 sites that were evaluated, the study shows that switching to biodiesel in the home heating and transportation sectors would prevent up to 340 premature deaths 46,000 fewer sick days, and $3 billion in avoided health costs. I want to pause at this point to emphasize that these numbers are on an annual basis. In transportation sectors, uh, in the sites that were evaluated, the benefits include a 45% reduction in cancer risk when heavy-duty trucks such as semis use B100, and over 200,000 reduced asthma attacks each year. And when bioheat fuel made of 100% biodiesel is used for space heating, the study found an 86% reduced cancer risk and 17,000 fewer lung problems each year. Now, keep in mind that the study looked at only 13 sites. So so these substantial benefits from 13 sites represent just the tip of the iceberg of potential benefits. And in conclusion, Vergara said steps can be implemented now to improve health benefits across the world. So in conclusion, the study shines a bright light on an important knowledge gap affecting our local communities. What are the residents in these communities exposed to and what can be done now to improve their health? The study shows that biodiesel provides substantial public benefits, public health benefits when used instead of petroleum diesel in transportation and space heating. The direct and immediate benefits provided by biodiesel use accrue where where they are needed the most, in communities that historically have been exposed to high pollution levels because they are close to high diesel use activities. These communities include um, ones that are near ports, rail yards, logistics facilities, agricultural operations, and high traffic roadways. Biodiesel provides these benefits because it drives down particulate emissions from diesel engines especially older ones, and it reduces particulates from space heating. But just as important is this fact. Biodiesel provides these health and quality of life benefits immediately upon use in place of petroleum. More information about this study can be found on the National Biodiesel Board's website. That is nbb.org. This has been Cruising with Renewable Fuels. I'm Alex Wojcicki from the Nebraska's Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska's Soybean Farmers and their Checkoff. And you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. For those in agriculture, conservation comes pretty easy. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. And that led Governor Pete Ricketts to write an article on 
protect our land and water. It all comes back to the discussions of 30 by 30 coming out of Washington, D.C. But it really, I think, gets to a bigger message about how we take care of the environment. You know, one of the things that I say all the time is that, you know, our farmers and ranchers were the original conservationists, and they still are, because they want to pass along the family farmer ranch to the next generation, so they take care of the land and their animals to be able to do that. And that's one of the great things about our state. In fact, we are ranked nationally as having one of the best environments here in Nebraska. So you look at that environment, and that kind of leads right into our discussion about 30 by 30. And I know that there's been a lot of concern coming out of not just Nebraska, but producers all across the nation that are worried that the livelihood and the conservation efforts that they've worked so hard for might not be worth it in the end. Yeah, absolutely. The 30 by 30 plan, uh, which is President Biden's proposal to put 30% of our land and waters into conservation by the year 2030, really is concerning. Here in Nebraska, 97% of our land is owned privately. And as I mentioned, we've got some of the best environment in the country right here in Nebraska because of that private ownership where farmers and ranchers take care of their land. You look at our system of managing water. We're one of the, well, we're the largest irrigated state in the country. And yet because of our system of NRDs and the other water management programs we put in place over the decades, our aquifer here in Nebraska is within one foot of where it was in the 1950s. We're not like some other states like California where they've been really mining the aquifer. So we see that we can take care of the land here. Nobody cares more about it than we do. Uh, We live here and we don't need the federal government to tell us what to do. And then yet the president proposes this 30 by 30 plan, which he has no constitutional authority to do. He would have to have Congress's approval and action to be able to do anything. And so we've been asking a lot of questions about what exactly does the president mean? How is he going to implement it? I actually led a group of 15 governors that sent a letter to the White House asking questions about what the president's intentions were and asking for some answers about how he proposed to move forward. And we have not received a reply back yet. But this is one of the things that's so concerning because the president announced this several months ago. And really, we, we still have no more information today as we did back then when the president announced it. You know, in so many ways, it seems that I know you talked about it in your article as well. It seems like there isn't trust that we know what to do here in our own state. Yeah, that's one of the problems I have with this administration is it really is the attitude of a top down. We know best in Washington, D.C. about how to do things. And well, you really don't even have to go look any further than the president's speech on the pandemic when he was talking about how, hey, if we do all these steps, you can gather in small family groups at the 4th of July. Like, well, we did that last year here in Nebraska. And then he was talking about getting kids into classrooms. Like, yeah, we were doing that last year, too. So to me, it's the president is out of touch with what's going on here in the middle part of the country. And yet his proposals like 30 by 30 are going to have the most impact in our small towns and rural communities here in Nebraska and across the western half of the country. And the president doesn't appear that he really knows uh, you know, what it's like here in the middle part of the country. That's my conversation with Governor Pete Ricketts as we talk 30 by 30 in Nebraska. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network.
Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's talk to John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. John, another day higher in the grains, but seems like it's some spread action or at least maybe even bear spreading almost in the corn complex today as we see those deferred contracts really gaining on it. We're now above $6 on the new crop, but it looks like maybe the wheat was taking a little more favor today. Is that how you saw the trade? Yeah, so the cancellation came out that China canceled a small amount. It was, you know, not insignificant just given they did it. Uh, 140,000 metric tons or 140,000 bushels, I believe, sorry, not metric tons. Uh, so small amount, but the um, the ripple effect of that is that, you know, they didn't really cancel it. They just moved it out into next year. Well, I mean, that's, that's, all, that's all well and good, it, but we, we're not going to have product next year either. Uh, we don't have the, the capacity to service all this business in next year's crop. Uh, unless obviously we get some huge acreage jump, but uh, the fact that China, you know, essentially sold old crop, I'm not going to call it that, but moved some sales out, that's kind of a, a demand rationing behavior that you want to make note of. I think then you see the, the results of the back of the curve rallying, but uh, I wouldn't be chasing the market on the back of the curve. I think looking here at December 22, uh, watch 520. That's a, that's a pretty cool, critical price point, in my opinion. Uh, between now and the Wazir report, I think we'll probably chop around on that deferred contract as far as the old crop goes. You know, I don't know. I mean, do we see eight bucks on the May? That's a 750. Uh, at some point here, you think the market's going to wash out, but it's going to come on some of the USDA says. So my thing is the USDA report next week where they pull some magical number out of their hat, you know, that, that disappoints some of the bulls. When it comes to those fringe acres, you know, when you want to look at West Texas, $6 new crop corn, does that take away from the possible sorghum acres as well as the possible cotton acres? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, at this point in time, it's just it's just more. You know, I don't know if it's changing behavior. Right? You, you mentioned before on the radio, your neighbor, you know, tearing out alfalfa. I think at some point here, you know, that behavior does affect the new crop markets, but we're going to need to see the USDA confirm it first. And I don't even know if I'll do it in the May report. It might not be till the end of June, but uh, the short term is the market's very overbought. And I think you got to be real careful up here chasing it just on, on any type of news. I think the, the news we got today was something I would have faded. Didn't, uh, didn't work out if I had taken that route, but it uh, doesn't mean it won't be. So I'm continuing to kind of look at stair steppings and sales in just early amounts for 2022. Uh, obviously, it's still really early, but uh, you know, you get five to that market. I, I think you guys go ahead and take it. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago. Learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors who consider these risks before investing. And that'll do it for our midday program for today. If you would uh, like to hear midday in its entirety, you can go to uh, krvn.com and check out the podcast. It is 1026 here at KRVN.